0: BLOB TALK RADIO You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, July 21st, 2020, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-host for the evening, Anastasia. Lavendar is preparing for a special event tomorrow, but she'll be back for our next show. Our special guest this evening is Dave Nisani, who is a speaker, syndicated radio host, life coach, and best-selling author of It's My Life Too, Thrive and Stay Alive as a Caregiver. However, his most important role is caregiver to his lovely wife, Charlene, who suffered a massive stroke in 1996 that left her severely speech-impaired and paralyzed on the right side. Dave has recently appeared on 34 network morning shows from Washington, D.C. to Hawaii, um, has shared the stage with Suzanne Summers at Harvard, and Caitlyn Jenner at the Harvard Club of Boston, as well as the NASDAQ market site in New York City. His membership would website teaches caregivers how not to only survive, but to thrive with practical advice and tools to help them stay alive, since 30% of caregivers actually die before their loved ones do, while many more become sicker than the ones they care for, eventually needing a caregiver themselves. There is also a higher incidence of suicide among caregivers. The mission of Caregiver Dave's membership website and syndicated radio show heard in all 50 states and 135 countries is to help caregivers overcome adversity, the grief process and burnout, as well as just having a safe place to rest, relax and recharge their batteries in a loving community of caregivers. We understand what you're going through because we have all been there ourselves and have figured out how to not only stay alive, but how to thrive. Dave interviews actual caregivers on his radio show, who have become experts in their own in their field, and can give you actionable and practical advice to bring back the joy of caring for a loved one. And if needed, Dave also offers a package of coaching calls that will give you access to his wisdom. And his website is caregiverdave. That's D-A-V-E. dot com. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to starseeds not heard in the mainstream. And we would like to thank Kathy and Jada for hosting the switchboard tonight for those who may have a question or comment for our guest. We have an online starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other starseeds, thanks to Tammy's helpful dedication. You can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk. And if you'd like to show your support of our program, please just click follow on our page here and you'll get our weekly show notices if you enable those so you know what's coming up. Our main website is starseedhotline.com. And the Stage 1 Starseed Confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart. And the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. And please be aware that due to a massive global starseed activation, our waiting lists are at about six months. But that will start shrinking now because our new team of astrologers have completed their starseed training and will be helping us and our starseed community. And I think it's very interesting to mention that this awakening started over a year before our current global crisis. And all of you are bringing more light to this world. Now, if you have a birthday coming up, you're not gonna wanna miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And that only takes a few days to run that timing chart. But remember, if you want the stage two interpretation of that chart, you need to order it at least six months ahead of your birthday to make sure that you get the session before your 10 hours. So uh, first up this evening, I'm going to get back to that screen, okay. uh, I'm going to, oh, Anastasia, there you are, (laughs) looking on the switchboard for you. Uh, We're going to start with the um, Starseed News. And hang on a second. There we go. (laughs) Uh,
1: Thank you so much, Ariel. It's not the same without the applause, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much well good evening everyone it's great to be with you so let's get into the news you know we have a comet in the sky and that's a pretty special thing they don't come along that often it's they say it's a pretty brilliant I haven't seen it yet Um, it's comet neowise they say it's the best comet in decades which is now visible uh, with the naked eye they say but actually I think you may need a pair of binoculars to see it depending on which news source you read from so I'm going to recommend that you try it but Take a pair of binoculars just in case. Um, it's officially known as c 2020 f 3 This comet was first spotted by NASA's NEOWISE satellite in March, uh, some 326 miles above the Earth's surface as it began to approach the sun, shining brightly as it released water vapor from its core. Now, the comet surprisingly survived its loop around the sun and is now expected to remain visible uh, to us through the month of July. It's pretty visible right now on the 21st. Now, this uh, icy space, space, space rock excuse me, looks like a bright ball with a luminous tail, and you can best see it at early dawn and shortly after midnight or around the 11 o'clock to 1 a.m. hour Now, the comet is the first great comet to streak through the Earth skies in 2020 after two uh, other hyped comets called Comet Atlas and Comet Swan fizzled out earlier this year. They say this is kind of a common thing since comets are inherently fragile bodies that tend to fall apart as they come closer to the sun. Now, comets typically appear faint in the sky, which is why it's recommended that you look for the comet, as I said, early morning or around midnight, and Comet neowise is now in the constellation Ursa Major. You guys know what that is? That's the Big, Big Dipper, Dipper. <laughs> right? I'm talking to an astrologer here. Of course, she knows that. <laughs> so anyway, to find it, look north northwest after sunset, and let the stars of the Big Dipper be your guide. So when you look down at the at the uh, scoop part of the Dipper, the square part, um, the outer star on the bottom the bottom outer star on your left okay uh the comet is down at almost a direct angle from that lower star so you can find it fortunately the big dipper really helps uh we went out one evening a few days ago and a few nights ago and it wasn't aligned with the big dipper then so we had to use our fists and measurements and all the things they tell you to do we still didn't see it there were too many (laughs) streetlights so if you're in a place where it's nice and dark please get out and take a look I think it's going to be a really nice thing to see. And uh, given the times we live in, it's pretty cool to see a comet.
0: And it won't be back and for 6,800 years.
1: Right. Don't miss this yeah. chance, guys. It's a big deal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, now, there is a uh, coronal mass ejection impact possible this week. Um, on the 19th, uh, a couple days ago, a uh, slow-moving CME left the sun. NOAA analysts believe the plasma cloud could graze Earth's magnetic field on the 24th of the 25th, just a few days from now. And a similar slow-moving CME hit Earth July 13th, causing high-latitude auroras and possibly the magnetic wave that was registered in the Earth up in Iceland. So another one is headed this way. And we have a new sunspot. It's appeared, and according to its magnetic polarity, It is a member of the new Solar Cycle 25. Now, this new sunspot is another sign of life from strengthening Solar Cycle 25. So, so far this year, there have been 13 sunspots, 10 of them coming from the new Solar Cycle. This compares to only 17% in 2019 and no percent in 2018. And they tell us the sun is clearly tipping from one solar cycle to the next. Now, excuse me, it's too soon to know if this new sunspot will become a source of solar flares. That depends on its magnetic complexity, which will reveal itself in the days ahead as this sunspot turns toward Earth. Now, we have a near-Earth asteroid coming up tomorrow. I wanted to bring it up to you. Um, 2020 N0 Uh, It's going to be within two lunar distances on the 22nd, and on July 27th, the near-Earth asteroid will be 1.7 lunar distance from us. Those are both really quite close. Could be closer, but that's close enough. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, cosmic rays, solar minimum is underway. We have cosmic cosmic radiation incoming uh, because the sun's magnetic field is weak as it is during the solar minimum. This allows extra cosmic rays into the solar system and into the Earth. Now, neutron counts from the University of Olulu's Geophysical Observatory show that cosmic rays reaching the Earth in 2020 are near a space-age peak. Uh, The neutron counts are up 9.5%, which are considered to be high. Cosmic radiation coming into our space. Well, on to other news. Um, you know, when I read this, I thought, man, i kind of glad I didn't know this earlier, but it's good news, but it's mingled with some aggravating news. This is about monkeys. Um, the good news is, is that supermarkets are boycotting coconut suppliers for using monkey slave labor on their farms. Now, what? I said, what? Well, listen to this. The animal rights organization PETA has found that monkeys are being used for slave labor on coconut farms in Thailand. PETA investigators, based in Asia, visited eight different coconut farms on which captive monkeys were forced to collect over a 1,000 coconuts per day. Poor little things. Now, the investigators found that most of the major coconut milk producers in Thailand were using monkey labor to pick the coconuts. The monkeys are kept in terrible conditions and subject to routine abuse and other things which I'm not going to tell you. They're not given the ability to socialize. They have no activity outside of their work, which, according to this article, breaks down the monkey's mental health. Now, while on farms, the monkeys are forced to wear tight metal collars attached to a chain, and that is how they live their lives until they are no longer useful to the industry. And then in some cases, they turn them over to circuses and so on. Well, the investigators were able to find out the names of the brands connected to these farms and sold in major stores around the world. And by the way, you guys, there are other places where coconuts are sourced ethically. Look for coconut, coconut water from Brazil, Colombia, and Hawaii because these coconuts are harvested with machines and they don't use monkey labor. But here's the good news. After these findings went public, many supermarkets in the U.K. promised to stop sourcing their coconuts from farms that use monkey labor. Well, there's a task force. Maybe somebody in the U.S. could get involved and, and spearhead something like that over here. But anyway, look for your coconut products uh, out of Indonesia and from Brazil, Colombia, or Hawaii. Well, oh, that farm gives a fork. whole new level of meaning to the word
0: "monkey business."
1: No kidding. I mean, isn't that something awful? You, read it, you just can't believe. You just can't believe your eyes. Really, you just can't believe it. I mean, well, well, you know, kudos to these people. People doing that, that aren't much more evolved than the monkeys. Maybe less. Well, well said, sister. That is a fact. In fact, less evolved. So exactly right. Well, uh, farm to fork the open database that lets people buy food direct from source. What's this all about? Well, a new project launched uh, launched in lockdown, coronavirus lockdown, by a group of food activists and farmers is helping to bring fresh produce directly from farms to people's plates. Well, now, if that isn't ideal, to get your produce not from the grocery store, but from a farm far out, I've been wishing for that for a long time. Now, of course, again, this is in the U.K. But this program is called Farms to Feed Us, and it's an open database of small-scale farms and growers from around the U.K. selling vegetables, meat, dairy items, and other produce direct to the public. There were more than 300 producers listed on the database, with more being added every week. This is great, guys. Uh, the initi- initiative of the idea is that a writer and organizer for regenerative agriculture events, she came up with this idea, and when restaurants closed to comply with restrictions to stop the spread of COVID-19, she knew that many small farms that supplied these restaurants would be wondering how they could make ends meet. And she said, I wanted to show that great small-scale farms and farmers are still out there providing the most amazing food. And the quality of their soil and the compassion they show to their livestock really does make a difference to the quality of the food. So she started this. She came up with this idea where customers can access the database via Farms to Feed Us website. You can look that up. And uh, the people can look up farms in their area and what they're selling and click through to order online directly from the farm. Now, although the initiative was set up in response to the COVID-19, the organizer does hope it will last way beyond the pandemic and become a permanent service for people to buy directly from farmers and growers. Ah, That's divine. That's wonderful. And, you know, um, I don't know about the rest of you, but I imagine maybe you're getting shipments to home now maybe more than you used to because of, you know, not wanting to go out or whatever. And every time I open a box and these styrofoam peanuts come bubbling to the top, I just, I have angst, okay, I have angst over all the trash and stuff. Well, this story was right up my alley, so I'm going to share it with you, and it's surprising. There is now a styrofoam-eating beetle larvae that truly may ultimately save this planet. That's not much of a stretch. Now, environmentalists everywhere cringe at the concept of styrofoam, including Anastasia, which is one of the planet Earth's most ruthless pollutants. Simply producing it unleashes a slew of harmful chemicals, and it takes up to 500 years to disintegrate. I'm sorry to make you guys cringe. And it can take up to 30% of the space in landfills, according to the Society of Environmental Journalists. And while it it almost never simply disappears on its own without taking 50 years to break down, scientists just discovered beetle larvae that eats styrofoam. Now, a Ph.D. candidate in civil and environmental engineering at Stanford told somebody, he said, this is interesting because it's starting to paint a picture about what evolutionarily is allowing this to happen. A lot of these insects such as superworms or mealworms, developed over time to be scavengers and eat and break down all sorts of materials they found, including wood-based material, which is difficult to degrade. So what they're saying is they think that these worms are responding to the evolutionary demand. Which, if you stop and think about it, speaks of the consciousness of the planet. Anyway, to go on with the story. As we find ourselves in the midst of an ongoing pollution crisis, there's only one thing that can save us, and apparently it's the larvae of Zohobus atratus, which has been renamed the superworm. And according to Plastics Today, an engineering magazine, chemical magazine, it can survive solely off of styrofoam and other types of plastic. These worms can digest it and convert it into guess what? carbon dioxide. Needless to say, they're about to take over the world in the best possible way. Now, a while back, studies done by scientists in Beijing showed the mealworm beetle, this is a different kind of a a worm, could break down styrofoam. But now, we're turning to the superworm, newly discovered, which has a greater appetite and needs far far more styrofoam than the other worm, four times the amount to be exact. So they're going to start growing these worms and uh, maybe just simply putting them into uh, landfills to consume these plastics. Wow. Isn't that great? Wow. This is, yeah. You know, just when we think we're drowning in garbage, see, there are solutions. They're, they're popping up. And um, I want to thank Lavendar for this. Um, there's a compound in sea sponges that is reputed to stop cancer growth and will destroy the herpes simplex virus and other things. Now, this is a sea sponge found growing on the coral reefs of Indonesia, and these sponges contain an organic chemical that halts the cellular duplication of tumors. University researchers also point to its curative power for other diseases, and they're strongly suggesting that people cultivate the sponge to scale, in other words, to meet demand for healing and uh, produce the uh, 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 future drugs. Now, proof of nature's healing power, this sea sponge's cancer-fighting compound, has already been demonstrated in vitro laboratories in the U.S. and Indonesia to inhibit the proliferation of cervical prostate and other cancer cells while allowing normal cells to continue replicating normally. That's a big change from chemo treatments and other things like that. Yeah. yeah, So anyway, it doesn't hurt the other cells, and it prevents its replication. It's also a destroyer of uh, herpes simplex 1 virus cells, and it's a malaria treatment too. Now, the thing about this is, is that there is an economic benefit. Oh, you know money always has to be associated with something of good if we want to get it produced. And so now they've decided that sponge fishing and farming can be a vag- valuable ag, aqua, excuse me, aquacultural pursuit for local economies. And now women uh, on the coast of Zanzibar and other areas in this country are farming sea sponges for use in the bath, and it's giving them a nice source of income and raising them up out of poverty. They say it doesn't cost much, almost no effort to start a sponge farm, and so they think that that's what's going to be the future of bringing Indonesia out of the uh, poverty that many people are in. So that's a whole new uh, country's uh, economy going on here that they're working on, along with benefits in medicine and health. All right, we're just about finished. We've got a couple more stories here, and here is one I had to share with you. This is wild. They have discovered an insect which has the only mechanical gears ever found in nature. Oh, what am I talking about? Listen to this. What? <laughs> To the best of our knowledge, the mechanical gear, which you all know are evenly sized teeth cut into two different rotating surfaces so that they will lock together as they turn. Everybody's seen a gear, you know. Well, -hmm. they say this was invented around 300 BCE by Greek mechanics who lived in Alexandria. Go back there in your mind to ancient times and envision an an ancient gear. Well, in the century since... This simple concept has become a keystone of modern technology, enabling every sort of machinery and vehicles, including, of course, cars and bicycles. We really need gears in our life today. Well, as it turns out, a three-millimeter-long hopping insect known as Isis coleopatris beat us to this invention in nature. A pair of biologists from the University of Cambridge, again in the U.K., discovered that juveniles of this species have an intricate gearing system that locks their back legs together, allowing both of these appendages to rotate at the exact same instant, causing the tiny creatures to jump forward. This finding was published today in Science. It's believed to be the first functional gearing system ever discovered in nature. These uh, animals are uh, commonly called plant hoppers. They're found throughout Europe and North Africa. They used electron microscopes and high-speed video to capture uh, the existence of these gearing mechanisms and figure out how it worked. And they say that it's simply for coordination. Um, so there we go. Uh, nature hmm. invented it first. <clears throat> right. All right. Finally, for this evening, we have discovered or rediscovered a lost world the rediscovery of a distant planet, which was believed to be lost to astronomers, um, which they were very fond of and still are uh, because they said it boosts the chance of finding alien life. Well, it's come back. So really, I mean, how can you lose a planet in space? (laughs) I don't know why they didn't figure it just kind of went behind something for a while or whatever it did, but it didn't get lost, and now it's, it's back. And it's this huge planet, which is roughly the size of Saturn. It's been rediscovered in the Goldilocks zone. Uh, It's a distant star that's only a mere 620 light-years away. The Goldilocks zone is the region around a star where conditions are neither too hot nor too cold for life to exist. And using NASA's Transiting Exoplanet Survey Satellite, called TESS for short, astronomers discovered the planet in 2018 before it went missing, but now they've managed to track it down again. They are naming it N. NGTS-11b. That's charming, isn't it? Who's going to remember that? Oh, (laughs) yeah. The planet was rediscovered using the Next Generation Transit Survey in Chile. They've got some good sky watching in Chile, by the way. Anyway, they say this planet has a temperature of only, get this, 160 degrees centigrade. That's really hot. But it's cooler than Mercury and Venus. And they say, although it is still too hot to support life as we know it, It is closer to the Goldilocks zone than many previously discovered planets, which typically have temperatures above 1,000 centigrade. So, man, these guys think they have hit pay dirt. A temperature of only 160, it's getting better and better. We're going to find something that can support life. They say that too hot it is, but it it, it opens up a whole plethora of possibilities in the search for habitable alien worlds. They are finding things, you know... They're creeping in on it. Closer and closer they go, discovering, yes, there are other planets like Earth that could support life as we know it. So pretty exciting stuff. Oh, it's what an age we live in. So much knowledge and so much creative solutioning. And, uh, you know, on the other side of the turmoil and the angst and the anguish and the stress, there is emerging such wonder. So... It's all amazing. We'll focus on the wonder and we'll take we'll take the the good stuff and move forward from that. From my heart to each one of you, much love everybody. Have a beautiful couple of weeks and it's always great to be with you. Thank you, Ariel.
0: Thank you so much, Anastasia. Great job on the news tonight and uh, we'll talk to you on our next show, which will be 2 weeks from tonight.
1: So, mm, thanks bet. so much. Okay. Bye everybody.
0: Bye-bye. Wow, that's some interesting, interesting discoveries there. So um, our guest is here, and I'm going to get your mic open right now. Hello, Dave. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy.
2: Hi, that was some news. Wow. I'm curious about the um, the comet. I know that the uh, outer edge of the dipper points to the North Star. Where is it in relation to that?
0: I think it's, uh, it's on the... Um, from what I saw, the pictures online. If you look at the Big Dipper, um, the corner that's kind of under the handle part, uh, you hmm. just kind of draw a line, um, maybe a little bit diagonal from that, and that's at least when I was looking at the at the on the internet. That's the uh, the track that they were showing. Uh, diagonally to the left,
2: or diagonally to the right. Uh,
0: I think to the left. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you go to AccuWeather.com. Uh, they've got, like, a space section and sky watching, and they had, you know, pictures of how, because it's been getting a little bit higher above the horizon for the past yeah. week or so, um, and it it looked like the trajectory was going um, diagonally left and down from the, the corner of the dipper that's closest to yeah. the handle.
1: Uh, I've been well, a star
2: watcher for many, many years, have a telescope, and... Uh... Oh. I used to do a lot of that when I was a teenager, especially. Yeah. But well, thank yeah, you for having just, me on the show. <laughs>
0: oh well, it's it's our pleasure. It is our pleasure, and um, what you're doing is is so helpful and so needed. Um, and as I, we were chatting up for a moment before the show, um, we, we have a very spiritually awake audience, and along with that. You know, the higher level of of spirituality comes an um, automatic um, need to to uh, for I mean for a compassion and a need to give help, and I think yeah. a lot of our community, uh, myself included, um, and and lavender um, have been caregivers. So uh, I think this is really um, really going to be helpful for a lot of people on a lot of levels.
2: Well, let me so, just begin um, by saying that right. no matter what we go through, whether you're a caregiver, and caregiving is hard. It's probably the hardest job out there. It's almost a uh, deadly occupation, you know, right up there with uh, getting rid of nuclear hazardous waste and uh, uh-huh. and climbing huge telephone poles. That's how hazardous it is. Uh, it, is it is sad that uh, 30% of them die before their loved ones do that 50% of them experience uh, the same kind of suicidal depression that Robin Williams and Kate Spade and uh, Anthony Bourdain experienced. But um, there's hope. And I truly believe, because the Bible says, I I read the Bible constantly, and because I'm a man of faith, that these trials are only to test your faith, see if it's pure like fire tests gold. And there's another scripture that says that, uh, you know, if you're going through it, you can handle it. (laughs) So uh, everything happens for a reason. And uh, you are designed through your trials to strive for even more perfection than you are. This is our uh, goal in life to, to keep pushing forward and there's no accidents. There's no victims. There's no, you know, it's his fault. It's my fault. Everything is happening for a reason and embrace, embrace that, grief process of uh, acceptance. you know we go through the grief, we go through the anger, the denial, the depression, the bargaining, all that stuff. but we need to get to uh, accept the new normal and embrace the uh, acceptance of the grief process. and then you're on your way.
0: Well, yeah, it reminds me of that old saying, uh, bloom where you're planted yeah, Re- regardless of of what your circumstances. There is a way to thrive, and and that's why I'm I'm so happy that you are, um, kind of leading the charge with this. I mean, you've you've got a lot of, uh, uh, you got the radio show, and you've done TV shows, and um, and have
2: well, this, this it wasn't it wasn't always like this, you know. Um, I was just a normal guy, <laughs> minding my own business, running my gas station that I've been running for 45 years now. Uh, I'm, I met a woman through uh, a sailing trip because I'm a sailor and I discovered that we were soulmates we just got along so great we never fought we never had an argument she had a, a child from a two children from previous uh, marriage it was an abusive marriage and I was at the tender age of 20 years old when I met she was 30 and uh, you know we fell in love and we realized we either had to break up or get married so I didn't want to kick myself in the butt for the rest of my life thinking I, I had my true love and I let her escape. so while I was still in my uh, fourth year at USC, I took the plunge, married this beautiful woman. Everyone thought I was crazy. my family thought I was crazy. they said, what do you uh, you know she's she's older 10 years older she has a five-year-old and a ten year old daughter. You're 20. She has a crazy ex-husband who's stalking her and, and uh, you know slashes the tires of anybody she goes out with, except me, of course, because I actually knew him because he used to go sailing with me. Um, and one time he brought his wife, this woman. And so I was planning another sailing trip, and I, I was in my friend's house, and she was over. I didn't realize it. And she says, well, I want to go sailing, too. And I looked up. She looked familiar. And I says, do I know you? She goes, yeah, I'm John's wife. She says, oh, and then ex-wife, she said. I said, no, oh, I'm sorry. She goes, don't be. He was a real jerk. And I says, well, you went so long with us once before, right? And she goes, yeah. I said, did you get sick? She goes, no. I says, okay, you can come. But something <laughs> strange happened after that. I got a phone call from her the next day. I don't know where she got my number from. I mean, uh, I was just looking for bodies to put on the boat. You know, She was like the fourth one down and three to go. And she says, I'm just so grateful that you invited me to go sailing. I wanted to Show my appreciation by inviting you over for dinner. I'm a gourmet cook. I didn't know what that meant. (laughs) But being a starving student at USC, uh, I never turned down free meals. So I says, okay, I'll go. Still kind of confused. What does this woman want from me? Because, you know, in the 70s when you're 20, we don't trust people over 30. (laughs) So I show up. I knock on the door. The door opens up. I'm hit with immediately three aromas. The first one was her perfume. She was wearing Giorgio, I later found out, which smelled pretty darn good. Uh, The second (laughs) was a familiar smell. It was incense burning. And the third one was an amazing aroma coming out of the kitchen. I'm Middle Eastern, and I'm not used to that kind of smell. I ate Syrian food all my life and burnt meat, because that's how my father liked his meat. So this was uh, an unusual smell, but it was a delightful one. And then it's like everything froze um, when I was at the door, only I was moving. You ever seen a movie where everything freezes except the, the action person? Right, And all this happened like in a split second. I noticed in the background behind her, uh, everything was dark. I saw candles flickering. I heard in the background, unforgettable. That's oh, wow. what you are. And then I says, oh, my God, to myself, I'm on a date. And then I freaked <laughs> out. I said, oh, my God, do I want to be on a date with this older woman? And so I thought I'd check her out while I was there. So I checked her out from top to bottom. And she was wearing this muumuu kind of thing that they used to wear in in uh, the 70s from Hawaii. And you know what? She looked pretty good. And I said, I can do this. And then reality came back. And she says, you're going to love the dinner this evening. The theme is everything is stuffed stuffed. Desserts, stuffed uh, caviar, stuffed mushrooms, stuffed Cornish game hens, stuffed dessert. I don't know what else was stuffed, but by the end of the evening, I was stuffed. So that was my (laughs) first date. And then we went on a sailing trip. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history.
0: Wow. Wow. And so how long have you been married now?
2: We've been together 46 years, probably married 45 of them. And, uh, just when we were going through the emptiness phase of life, about 23, 24 years ago, she was 52. I was 42. Um, we're getting ready to do fun stuff. Cause the kids are out of the house. We raised three daughters, got them all out of the house, got, got them all married, <laughs> each one twice. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, she complains to me about this headache that she had. It was the headache of her life. She wanted me to call Dr. Kavorkian, and put her out of her misery Uh, She was joking, of course. That was the euthanasia doctor back in the seventies
1: who helped
2: people commit suicide. You know, Um, but it was uh, Memorial Day or Labor Day weekend—I forget which one—and you know, who wants to go to the ER on a holiday? So she endured it. By the fourth day, it it got really bad again, and so uh, we called the ambulance. by the By the time they came, it was too late. My wife had suffered a massive stroke. It left her severely speech impaired and speech. Uh, and uh, severely speech impaired and paralyzed on one side. And in that moment, our world just turned upside down. I mean, nothing would ever be the same again. And after 23 years, she still cannot talk, but she communicates non-verbally through Pictionary and charades. <laughs> Two games I hate, by the way, but I'm learning to love.
3: Uh-huh. And
2: she still can't walk, but we got her this power chair, and she goes faster than than me now. I have trouble keeping up with her. But as you uh-huh. said, I became caregiver Dave because I realized, I should say, first of all, we went through a grief process because she became angry and bitter. And I was the only one to receive all of that anger. And uh, it got so bad, I, I almost left her. I'll be honest. I, I sat down to write her a letter. I says, dear Charlene, I says, why are you so mean to me? I mean, it's so hard being your husband, taking care of you 24-7, not getting any crumbs of appreciation or love in return. I says I know it's hard on you, but you're making it even harder on me to care for you. Uh, I just don't think I can be with you anymore. I mean, I'll take care of you financially, but I just can't be with you. And, you know, I, I looked at that letter I wrote and I read it over and over to myself. And I says I can't give this to my wife. How can I give this to the mother, my children, my soulmate, the, the one that I married uh, 23 years earlier? So I just put it in my filing cabinet and I went on in my loneliness and depression and then uh uh later on uh, about three four days later i find a a business card in my pocket i don't know how it got there who gave it to me it was inviting me to a caregiver support group i didn't even know what a caregiver was somebody had to tell me i was a caregiver and i didn't certainly know what a support group was but um i met people there just like me burned out caregivers everything changed i learned that like the airlines tell you every time when I tune them out that in the event of an emergency, oxygen mask will fall. Put your mask on first before you help your loved one with their mask. <laughs> what an right. amazing method for all of life. Take care of you first. Well, after a while, I started doing that. I just started being selfish because that's what it felt like. But I says they, they, they gave me permissions. So I'm going to be selfish. I'm going to take care of me first. And slowly but surely, my wife started changing. She started becoming her old self again. Uh, I was tired of being, you know, negative when she saw me having fun. You know, misery loves company, right? She figures if she can't bring me down, maybe she should come up. (laughs) And our love was rekindled over the years. Took a couple of years. Long time. Bad time. But um, after a while, I started realizing that there were other caregivers out there who were going through what I was going through. You know, feeling lonely and depressed. And I didn't want them to give up like I almost gave up. So I became Dave, the caregiver's caregiver. Like you said, I've been on television stations all over the place. I'm writing my fourth book. I'm a best-selling author of It's My Life Too, Thrive and Stay Alive as a Caregiver. Um, I speak on stages everywhere, uh, share the stage with, you know, these famous people. And um, all I do is I speak on stages and television um, telling people how to stay alive, you know, how to prevent your loved one's illness or disease from killing you. And that's my story, and that's what I've been doing for the last um, I don't know almost ten years now.
0: Wow, that is such an inspiration because I mean everybody everybody knows someone who is taking who is a caregiver, and that's right. and as you said, and, and some people don't even realize that 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 became their new job, um, and they just they just do it, but it's. It's it's really hard. I mean, I know exactly
1: <laughs>
0: what you're talking about. Um, and and there was a, I mean a point in my life where I was I was taking care of elderly relatives, and and I just got to a point when I was done with that. Um, and you know, and they they eventually passed on. Uh, and I was like, I- I've got to I've got to take care of me, because yeah. there's only there's only so long that you can deprive yourself before things start going wrong mentally and physically,
2: not to mention spiritually. Yeah. You know, a third of the population are caregivers. That's a lot of people, uh, roughly about 100 million. Um, And there's probably more. Uh, They say there's about 6 million people that uh, children that they know of between the ages of 8 and 18 who care for grandma, you know, and uh, they're told by their parents, uh, there's nobody to watch grandma today. You're watching grandma. You're not going to school you know, and the Labor Department doesn't watch over these people. They don't make sure they get their, their two 10-minute breaks and their 30-minute <laughs> lunch hours. And so they're being robbed of their child. But what other, what, other, what else can they do? The parents have to go to work. And, you know, you might be 11 or 12 or 15, and you're staying home to be the caregiver. Uh, we don't even realize we're a caregiver. I mean, maybe you're watching your neighbor across the street uh, struggle to go out every morning and pick up his newspaper and And you think you're going to be a nice guy. Well, let me go. Let me do that for you. Okay. So you bring the paper in every day. And when you're in there one day, you notice that he's he's struggling to reach for something on a shelf. Here, let me get that for you. Okay. Uh, Next thing you know, you're cooking him breakfast. (laughs) Next thing you know, you're taking him to doctor appointments. Next thing you know, you're his caregiver. And you say, hey, oh, my God. You know, you're starting to feel the pressure. How did this happen? And that's how subtle it can be. I mean, it wasn't on my resume. I didn't sign up for this. But uh, here I am
0: right well you know there is there is an inherent compassion that comes with your own soul evolution and um and that just i mean your your heart goes out to people and that's a beautiful thing but you also have to as you said you have to be aware that you can finally one day wake up and realize that you've kind of painted yourself into a corner yeah so um what are the what are the the three biggest mistakes that caregivers make that, that put them at higher risk.
2: I'm so glad you asked that because, uh, in order to not become a statistic, like the 30% who actually die before their loved ones do. And I'm sure if you think hard enough, you, you might know caregivers who actually did die and they're the ones they're caring for are still alive or worse. Uh, you know, maybe they became hospitalized, got sick, and now they need a caregiver of their own. And and, you know, the spouses or I should say the um the siblings, uh, maybe aren't as compassionate as you and they may just stick uh your loved one in a nursing home and it's hard to find a good nursing home, you know. Nine out of oh, ten yeah. of them I wouldn't put my cat in, you know. If you got if you have to find a nursing home, I'd say the only reason you, you should do it is if your loved one now requires 24/7 care because no human body can do that. That's how you burn out. That's how you die. And so you you should find them a nursing home. And you got to look, and you got to look real hard, like a needle in a haystack. And there's three little things you can do to find a good one. Is um, one drop down there without uh, being announced. You know, don't let them know you're coming, <clears throat> and walk in and do the smell test. What's it smell like? (laughs) Does it smell like a hospital, nice and antiseptic? Or do you smell urine all over the place? Uh, Walk inside the hallway and see what they're doing with all these people. Are they just in wheelchairs uh, in the hallway with no no interaction with humans while the uh, people at the desk are doing their work and they're just staring at walls? Or is there a program where they actually, you know, are playing games and doing jigsaw puzzles or, or doing interactive stuff? And stuff like that. That's how you find a good one. <coughs> Excuse me. So let's talk about the three mistakes that caregivers make. And if you do these mistakes, then you've great. If you don't do these mistakes, there's a, you've greatly increased your chances of surviving. And the first mistake is um, you have to put your needs first. You know, I spoke about the airline analogy about the mask and this. Mm-hmm. You know, right. You have to. Value your life at least as much as you value theirs, right? Doesn't the Bible say love others as you love yourself? Well, my gosh, if you don't even put a value on your own life uh, as many caregivers don't, you know They'll sacrifice and give and give and give until there's nothing left to give and then they drop You know, that's certainly not loving yourself. Is it? So you've got to love yourself at least as much as you love others and I say even a little more (laughs) and that will take care of um you know your self-health you need self-help and self-health and the second biggest mistake caregivers make is they don't know how to ask for help now everyone has one of these little black things i have in my hand it's called a cell phone you turn it on you punch in your number and you talk hello mom i need help grandma's driving me crazy you know, call yeah. your brother, call your sister, call your wife's sex husband, call anybody, but get over that silly notion that if you can't do this all by yourself, you're a failure as a caregiver because that attitude will kill you. Third biggest mistake is almost just as deadly. Um, caregivers allow people and relatives and spouses, whoever it is, to heap this guilt on them like they were stacking pancakes just higher and higher. You know, I'm, you're not doing enough. You're not doing it good enough. I mean, it reminds me of that. TV program uh, back in the seventies that I used to watch about a caregiver caring for his elderly father in the junk business. You know what I'm talking about?
1: Uh-huh. Stanford
2: and Son. Right. Now Fred Stanford was notorious <laughs> for guilting his son Lamont and doing all sorts of cockamamie hairbrain schemes, and Lamont did it this way. Oh, oh, he's the big one, no son, really, yeah. the big one, Elizabeth, I'm coming for you, honey, it's the big one. And Lamont would (laughs) fall for that con every single time, and and Fred was manipulating him, and caregivers are manipulated. Now, it's like being handcuffed to your loved one for the rest of your life in caregiver prison with no possibility of parole. That kind of guilt will kill you. And so if you can take care of those three things, you've greatly increased your odds of surviving. So I came up with this CARE formula, C-A-R-E. C, communicate with your friends. Don't isolate yourself. Caregivers need to have a network of friends and support group. Now the support group should be the people who you vent on, who you tell the rotten day you had, because trust me, they'll tell you the rotten day they had. And then you both feel better because you got it off your chest and you say, wow, I'm not, I'm, I'm not unusual. I'm, I'm normal because he's going through the same thing. But when your You're friend right. comes up that you always go to the movies with, or go to go to the gym with, they don't want to hear that stuff. <laughs> they want to hear positive stuff, you know, um, nobody likes a Debbie Downer. So if you're going to start complaining to your real friends, they're going to stop calling they're going to stop coming by and you're going to be alone and you're going to be isolated. And that's no good because that's when you get depressed and suicidal and all that stuff and your health starts suffering, you start missing meals, you start missing, uh, showers and, and you don't get out of bed and, uh, you know, that's just, you don't want to go there. So the, uh, A stands for ask for help. We spoke about that a little bit. Um, Be specific when you ask for help. So many people ask uh, caregivers, "Hey, do you need anything? I, I go to the store." No, 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 I'm good, I got it. Why are they turning down help? Well, I don't know. Maybe they don't want to be feel indebted to somebody. Maybe they really think they can do this all by themselves. Maybe they think that if they ask for help, that they're a failure as a caregiver. Whatever the reason is, stop it. Nobody can do this by yourself. Ask for help. And be specific, you know, say, well, you know, uh, I could use some cold cuts and lettuce uh, if you're going to the store um wh- or just ask, you know, well, uh, what are you doing today? Oh, no, I'm busy today. Oh, well, how about tomorrow? Oh, no, I'm busy tomorrow. Well, how about the next day? Keep asking until it's almost embarrassing because eventually they'll say, OK, I've got Saturday free. <laughs> Don't be okay. shy because we're talking about life and death. The R and caregiver stands for rest. Caregivers need eight hours rest every single night. The average caregiver only gets two or three. I don't know about you, but I can't survive on two or three hours of sleep. Um, <laughs>
3: not,
0: not me or anybody around me. <laughs>
2: yeah. And, and finally, the E stands for eat healthy, nutritious food. Don't eat junk food. Junk food's got chemicals, sugar, processed ingredients. All that stuff will kill you. I mean, there's things you can do. Maybe you can't go to the gym, but you can park far away at the supermarkets, or at least you're walking, or if you have a, a place with a, an elevator, don't use the elevator, use the stairs, you know, just try to to get in your steps, try to uh, do as healthy things as you can think of. So that's my formula. And if you just follow this advice, you're going to be a healthy caregiver. On my caregiver website, uh, it's a membership site, caregiverdave.com, I'm offering uh, free uh, quiz, are you a candidate for burnout? Because, I don't know, maybe, maybe you don't realize you're burned out, you know? Maybe you're <laughs> isolated. Maybe you're you're uh, in poor health. Maybe you're not eating. Maybe you're eating too much. You know, all these things. Take this test uh, put out by AARP, and then you will know. And then it'll give you a score, and I will give you tips on how you can lower your score, be a healthier caregiver. Not only that, I'm going to give you a free um, audio soundtrack to help you with your sleep, It'll help you get to sleep, and it'll help you stay asleep. And then the third one is the most valuable one at all. Actually, there's four gifts. Uh, The third one is my uh, first book that I did um, about uh, memoirs about my wife and I, how we survived without killing each other. It's called um, uh, One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words, Overcoming Unbelievable Hardships, because my wife only has use of one arm and one leg and only a few words. And then the fourth gift is a new one. It's uh, an introductory coaching session by yours truly. And uh, that's a very valuable <laughs> um, item. And I'm giving it away free for the month of July, an introductory coaching session. If you're off track, it'll get you back on track. If you're clueless and don't have any idea of what you're doing, like, uh, like me, I mean, I wish I knew about me <laughs> when I became a caregiver. I, I wish I read my book when I was a caregiver. I wish I got coaching for me. But unfortunately, yeah. it wasn't available. So uh, that's again, that's caregiverdave.com. Oh,
0: that's great. That's, that's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I know that you know some so many of us have just um, age-old programming um, that yeah. you know if you don't do this, you should be ashamed. Um, you know, and that the whole you know guilt and, and all that a lot of it comes through religious programming, but without going there, um, how can a caregiver avoid always feeling guilty like i 'm not doing enough, I could be doing more you know if it i mean do i mean caregivers you know if you go out and have a good time there 's an undercurrent of um, i i i shouldn 't be enjoying myself
2: all right
0: you know um, so how can a caregiver avoid? that feeling of guilt
2: well there is a grief process so let's talk about it Um, the first stage of grief when we suffer loss we're going to go through grief and this is if you're a teenager and your girlfriend just dumps you you're gonna feel loss the doctor just says you know what you've got three weeks to live it's cancer you're gonna feel loss if your wife serves you with divorce papers (laughs) that's a loss Uh, you name it Uh, you know if uh, your spouse dies that's a big loss uh, the first thing the the brain wants to do when something like that happens is denial. This isn't happening, you know. Uh, they're wrong. That that report is wrong. I'm going to get a second opinion. Or uh, what do you mean you want to uh, divorce? Uh, didn't we do counseling? I thought everything was fine. Or you know the uh, right. the boyfriend, yeah. uh, the girlfriend. Yeah, you know. No, we're just having an argument. It'll be okay. You know. But after after we get over that denial and if we don't get over it, by the way, we become psychotic and delusional. We start making up our own reality. Now you're in serious problems. So you want to get over that denial and, and uh, you know, have reality on your side here as quickly as possible. Stage is what I call bargaining. You know, you want to negotiate your way out of this or with the boy whose girlfriend dumped him. He might say, "Uh, can we just, can we still be friends? You know, or the doctor, uh, Wasn't there anything I could do with my diet uh, to, to re- reverse this? Or some things are not negotiable, like um, you know, at the death of the spouse. Then you're going to uh, God and trying to negotiate with God. But you know, uh, uh, people have been raised from the dead in the past, uh, mostly by Jesus, but um, it, it's rare. <laughs> yeah. I do have faith, but um, you know, it, it would take a lot of faith to uh, bring someone back from the dead but after you realize that none of that is working then you go to the next stage and that's anger anger at anybody and everybody it's it's the doctor's fault it's the paramedics fault they took me to the wrong hospital it's uh my my spouse's fault it's it's god's fault you name it you know it's my fault i should have done this you know and then you start feeling guilty about what you coulda shoulda did to one Right. coulda woulda <laughs> did uh my wife you know the paramedics took her to the wrong hospital Because they asked me, where do you want us to take her? I said, I don't know. Where would you take your wife if she was having a stroke? There was a very close one, about five minutes away, a private uh, hospital, which was rinky-dink and ill-equipped. And then 15 minutes away was a well-equipped medical center. They decided to take her to the uh, closer place. And as a result, she lost her speech because they missed that three-hour window because they just didn't know what they were doing down there. Now, I felt very guilty and my wife had every right to blame me for causing her stroke. But you know what? I didn't know what I was doing. I gave my authority over to professionals who should have known what they were doing, but they didn't. So, like I said, I wish I knew now what I knew then and uh, things would be better. But like I said before um, to you, maybe I said uh, off the air or on the air, I don't remember, but that everything happens for a reason. You know, we're not going to cry over spilt milk. Uh, We tried to sue them uh, within the year before the uh, uh, statute of limitations was up because, you know, there was some stuff that shouldn't have gone on. But, you know, the doctors uh, kind of stick together and they get their stories straight. So the attorney says, you know, no one's talking. Everyone's kind of sticking together, telling the same story. So we just decided, you know, this is God's will. Uh, We're supposed to go through this. And today we have a very, very happy, fulfilled life people might feel sorry for you know, that poor guy lost his wife, you know, she can't speak, she can't do certain things, but you know, this is my new normal. It's like, what are you talking about? Uh, everything's fine. Uh, we we still have conversations. They're just not normal uh, uh, verbal conversations and we still get along. We still argue and we still are in love and we still do a lot of things that we did before, you know? So this is just a, a little speed bump, kind of. <laughs>
0: uh. Well, you know, I I have a, a dear friend whose whose mother had a stroke, and and he was a caregiver, and it was right before Christmas time, and I mean it was not nearly as severe as what Charlene went through, but uh, I remember going to the hospital, uh, taking him because he was too he was not in any shape to be driving, so I drove him to the hospital, and 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 she was. She was like speaking backwards, and it was it it was you you couldn't tell, you couldn't tell what the what the words were, and um, and since it was right before Christmas, uh, I just, for lack of knowing what else to do, to lift you know everyone's spirits, I started singing Christmas carols.
2: Oh, that's a good idea because singing usually uh, sticks with them.
0: Well, and she started singing, the Christmas carols. And the words yeah, were coming my wife out can straight. can happy
2: birthday, amazingly enough.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, apparently that, that comes from a different part of the brain. But yeah. um, he was he was really, um, it, it really lifted him to hear his mom singing.
2: Hmm. So, you know, music. How much time do we have?
0: Oh, you mean tonight? Yeah, on the show. Oh oh well i mean i i the maximum we can have is 2 hours but we rarely uh, need all of it okay. but uh we do have a caller who has been waiting oh. uh, with a question I and
2: love
0: um yeah uh yeah because with this particular show a lot of our listeners will listen um like tomorrow and they'll listen from the archives so we yeah. typically don't have a lot of live callers but um, actually, would you like to talk to her now and then we can come sure. back to this? Okay. Sure. So um, you are going to talk to Nanette. Let me get your mic open, sweetie.
3: Nanette.
0: Okay. Nanette, you're on the air with caregiver Dave. Go ahead with your uh,
3: question or comment. Okay. Can you hear Hi, me? Hi, Nanette. Hi there, Dave. How are you? Great. Good. Can you hear me clearly? Perfectly. Yes. Okay, good. Okay. Uh, I don't so much have a question, but I was in the same situation that you were in with your wife, with my mom. She had a stroke, and luckily my aunt, she had gone down to see my uh, her sister, and mm. they were in the same room, so we caught it early. But okay, my but... mother had lost, um, she'd lost like the whole side of her. I can't remember whether her, I know her, sweet, her speech was slurred and stuff, but she was a baby nurse, and she was down there on vacation, and so... Um,
2: Did the speech come back?
3: Like, yeah, well, it didn't look like she was going to, you know, uh, make it through, so my grandmother, her mother taught me about herbs and vitamins and things like that when I was a little kid, and a lot of doctor's medicine I can't take because, mm. it, you know, I have a, adverse effects to it, but anyway, we got her back to New York, and I started working with her, and I gave her basically the same thing that I was taking, but I like, uh, I, I gave her three to four times more than what I was taking. Yep. And little by little, long story short, my mom was back. Everything started working, and she was back better than she was, and I got her back in less than six Great. months.
2: Awesome. So well, was it
3: a blood that.
2: clot or a bleed, do you know?
3: I don't remember because it was like many years ago. Yeah.
2: But she um, had spots, no movement uh,
3: on on her on one of her sides, you know, she was yeah. simply, you know, from the top to the bottom down.
2: Yeah, typically so a blood
3: clot
2: is very mm-hmm. deadly and most people die from it uh and okay. have very little um uh symptoms of mm-hmm. uh, you know afterwards if you mm-hmm. survive it. Uh usually you can talk and and walk. But if you have a, um, that was a bleed is what I meant to say. I don't remember what I said. But blood clot is the opposite. Uh, you probably won't die, but you probably will be severely disabled. Uh, mm-hmm. if, you know So if if they're alive, it was probably a bleed. Uh,
1: I'm okay.
2: sorry, it was probably, uh, no, if they don't have symptoms, then they were very lucky to survive the bleed. You're very mm-hmm. fortunate. Right,
3: right. But anyway, she came back completely, and she ended up going uh, back so to work. But she loved that's being great. a baby nurse and stuff. So awesome. We need all the nurses we can help. get
2: these days, don't we? <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. So well, if you're, you're interested in knowing safe. about what I did, you know, you can always get my number from them and then, you know, let me yeah. know. Yeah. Well, go okay, to
2: CareGiverDave.com so- and, and uh, you know, join our community, get the free gifts, and uh, join our face group. Um, okay. Facebook group, Dave, the caregivers caregiver.
3: Okay, sounds
2: Join good. But okay. so just yeah, nice and to
3: and let you know that there's stuff out there that can help her. You
2: know. Oh yeah. And
3: you know, okay. So I just That's
0: great, you Nanette. Know. I'm so glad that you Annette. called in. And go ahead and and go to go to Dave's website and contact okay. him from there and just remind him that that you chatted on the show. And okay. um, that'd be better than than trying to. Um, Capture your phone number off of this software and somehow sure. get it okay. to him. So,
3: yeah. Okay, that Let, looks good. You, you okay, initiate. no problem. I just okay. I had a feeling that I needed to say something, so I didn't want to like not pay attention and not do what I was told to do. So.
2: Thank <laughs> like, you. Yes. Always yeah. obey that voice. Uh,
3: yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you um, you if you join, there's a lot of caregivers. That are in this community that uh, you can probably help with with what you've been through and what you have learned so yeah. um please yeah. do you know uh join okay. the caregiver dave website and uh and bring that knowledge to others because it's all caregivers okay. needing help
2: yeah, all right you know, okay she, she talked all about right. thanks so much uh, for obeying, calling in she okay she talked about Thank obeying you. that that voice you know yeah i still there.
3: yeah she talked so about
2: good. uh listening to that voice you know she wanted to obey it and I have a yes. quick story about uh, obeying the voice because there's, we all have this still small voice in our head, you know, and it tells us things that sometimes we obey and sometimes we don't obey. But, um, you know, about a year before I met my wife, this was like 37 years ago. Uh, no, 47 years ago. I was a college student, USC, like I said, and I would sail a lot. And so I, I went and got up my friends. We piled in the car, took the boat we were going to go to the ocean but my gas tank was on empty my father had a gas station so I said let's stop there because you know gas is free why not and so when I did my brand new stepbrother was there helping him out at the gas station uh, I didn't have a stepbrother a few months before that because my father had left my mother after 27 years of marriage and uh, married a female attorney who had a son my age And I I knew him because I had gone to high school with him for four years. It was very awkward because now he's my stepbrother. And, you know, his mother is the one who uh, took my my father away from my mother. And, you know, it was very strange times. And so he sees me and he says, hi, Dave, how you doing? And I says, oh, hi, John. He says, where are you going? And I says, I'm going sailing. And I immediately heard a voice in my head. It said, invite John to go sailing with you today. But instead, I heard come out of my mouth, yeah, you should come with us next week when I go again. He says, yeah, sounds like fun. So we got our gas. We said our goodbyes. I went sailing, had a great time, got home the next day. And I get a phone call from my dad. I say, hey, what's up? And there was silence on the other end of the line. And finally, he said, John killed himself today. I says, no, I just saw him at the gas station. He was happy. We spoke. We're going sailing next week. I felt wow. so guilty. Like maybe uh, if I listened to the voice, John might still be here. Mm-hmm. You know, every time I hear about another suicide in the news, you know, remember Robin Williams and uh, Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain. And now during COVID-19, all these uh, suicides and many caregivers committing suicide, mm-hmm. just, just isolation. You know, we put our prisoners in solitary confinement because we want to punish them. And yet, you know, we deny them the human interaction and people need hugs. People need human interaction. People, uh, especially elderly people, you know, they're home alone or they're in the nursing home and no visitors, anything like that. That's causing, I think, more damage than uh, getting the virus that you might recover, you know, two or three weeks, probably most likely will recover. Most likely won't die unless you are really elderly and have some Real bad conditions, you know, health conditions, uh, and and now you know you're immune. You've got the antibodies. Isn't that better than than uh, being emotionally damaged and carrying this baggage with you the rest of your life, you know, because of the coronavirus in uh, 2020 that that is screwing up our kids who missed the whole year of school and and maybe miss uh, you know another year of school. I know I'm going to get people upset by saying some of that, but it's just how I feel, you know?
3: Wow.
0: Well, last time I checked, that... the freedom of speech is still a, 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 one of our rights. <laughs> oh,
2: thank you. So, well, sometimes yeah. <laughs> I wonder, you know, they, they have a way of really shutting down speech with intimidation, violence, you name it. I mean, yeah, is this is, I thought we were in yeah. America, but... uh
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: I, well, you know, I don't things, things are it. changing. Watching the
2: news, I don't recognize America today, and it, I really feel bad about what it's coming for my children and my grandchildren. You know, uh, we're embracing socialism, and you know, I don't know what your political feelings are, one way or the other. But you know, this is supposed to be America, where we uh, have freedom of speech and freedom of religion, and uh, we have the right to pursue happiness. And it just doesn't seem that way anymore.
0: Wow. Uh, well, True. we we have God seen uh, um, <laughs> we have we've seen a lot of positive change. Uh but you kind of have to look for it because they're not putting it on mainstream uh news, but yeah. people are coming together with more compassion and more understanding and um you know, you kind of we kind of got out of that um <laughs> I just saw this little image of a like a hamster running around that wheel over and over, yeah. you know, and people just get in that and they can't stop. Well, the lockdown comes, and boom, that you're out of the cage now, and people are doing good. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, um, but it, it it's just a, one small example that I happened to catch. Uh, I saw a picture um, on the internet of a, a potato farm in Idaho. And mountains and mountains of potatoes just dumped because all the restaurants that would have bought them, they weren't buying them. And yet there are people in New York, in the inner city, that didn't have access to food. And we had Americans that were starving. And some person took it upon himself to start a GoFundMe kind of thing and got all these volunteers to go to Idaho Pick up the potatoes and send them to the people in New York that were hungry, and wow. you know, yeah, and, the, I didn't and, hear and that in the that news. The
2: news. <laughs>
0: no, no, no. I mean, I, I saw a picture of it um, um, on the internet, and then it was gone. But boy, it, I, I mean, yeah. I'll never forget them—just mountains of potatoes that were left to 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 just rot, and and yeah. some person got the idea and and put out this effort and saved the potatoes and sent them to the people that were hungry. Um, And and that's just, you know, one small example. And then in Anastasia's news, when she talked about the the person in the U.K., because, you know, the the food chain supply and demand was severely disrupted by the lockdown, where people can now, uh, she's put together some kind of a website thing, where you can order directly from the farmers. And and, yeah, and, and just that. cut that out all awesome. those middleman people. Yeah. So there has been a lot of good. And, and I'm seeing more and more spiritually minded, compassionate people um, that have, you know, come through our website. Um, and that started a year before anyone ever heard of coronavirus. And all these right. people were stepping up already as if, you know, by some grand divine plan they were they were you know standing in compassion already.
2: Yeah. Well, that's why I love I love my radio network. It's called um uh healthy life dot net all positive talk radio. You know, it seems like the media all they love to talk about is bad news, you know. Uh remember the old days when, when the headlines would say, Hey babe Ruth hits another home run, you know? Uh people right. used to like good news. Now it seems like uh uh, I don't know if all they want to hear is bad news, but that's certainly all we're getting is bad news. But um, well, people yeah, need to I start guess. Uh, a new network about good news. You know, Bible is called good news because <laughs> there's a lot of good news in the Bible.
0: Right, right, yeah. Well, I know there's uh, there's a guy on on YouTube. It's got a, he's got a good news channel, and um, he's he's somewhat of a a uh, a, pr- a recent or a prior. A celebrity. Yeah, you need
2: to go mainstream. From what I, I
0: mean, yeah, I mean, I hadn't heard of him, but from all the the information around it, he was someone that was very well known. Who decided that he was tired of bad news, so he yeah, started and a we, good we
2: news to network. Listening to bad news because you can't just keep listening to that day after day, week after week, month after month. It's going to affect you. You know, it's going to oh. turn you into a. Uh, if you were an optimist, it's going to turn you into a pessimist. You know, and that's that's not good for your emotions, not good for your body. Your body reacts to negative stuff, and you will actually make yourself sick and you could even die if you have enough uh, bad news. Remember the studies with plants if you know, two different plants getting the same water, same sunlight, and one is just saying, Oh, I love you. You're a beautiful plant. Oh, look at how beautiful your leaves are. And the other one is, What an ugly plant you are and that plant would die and the other one would flourish and I don't understand how that works but supposedly it's a scientific experiment.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've 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 seen, you know, similar kinds of things and I know there's there's validity there. Um and just because you can't, you know, slice it, dice it, quantify it and and do a spreadsheet doesn't make it any less true. Yep. You know, so there is a lot that we can do, I mean, individually, you know, whether whether you're a, a caregiver for an individual or you're a caregiver for our future. I mean, really, when you think about it, we're all caregivers for our future um, right. scenarios.
2: Even and, if you have a cat, uh, you're a caregiver. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, so, you, you know, if you can spend at least a minimum of 55% of the day, projecting, um, you know, positive thoughts, compassion for others, um, choosing not to voice anger um, and just transmute that, um, you know, the world will change. And it's already yeah. starting, you know, as, as the, uh, this, this crisis situation has pulled the, you know, the depth of human goodness up to the surface. And and it has brought us together. And acts of compassion, kindness to others on the street, um because of all of this, it's an unexpected, I think, you know, side effect. So yeah. um yeah.
2: yeah I, I just finished the show on my radio a couple hours before I came on with you. Uh it's my weekly show. And uh mind? And blind, so she so you,
0: hang on, sorry, you, you dropped out for a few seconds there, oh. so start that sentence over again, please.
2: I says I just interviewed a guest on my radio show every, every Tuesday, and her name is Gail Hamilton. She's blind, and she wrote a book, and she has two PhDs, and she talked about how she was uh, abused sexually, emotionally, physically, as a child, how people took advantage of her disability, and how... Uh, even her uh, seeing eye dog was attacked by somebody's dog who they didn't have on a leash. And she lost her dog for 14 months. And I'm saying, Oh my gosh, you know, how did you go through this? And she says, I just stopped being a victim. I stopped having the victim mentality. And I says, that is so important today. Everyone is so offended at, at everything, you know, uh, people groups who say, well, you know, uh, we want reparations for what your ancestors did, you know, 200 years ago. And, and uh, they're offended. you got to walk on eggshells. you got to be careful what you say. They're redefining words. And, you know, people just have to get over this victim mentality. It's a dead-end road. Uh, you need to just put the past behind you and start forgiving. Um, you know, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. It's going to make you die. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if yeah, if you've got darkness in your spirit, before you know it, you're going to have something in your body that either needs to be treated or cut out or or will just take you out, so yeah, yeah it's really important that we do not settle for anything less than than joy and yeah. and and blessings
2: well i'm I'm running out of time. I don't know if you're running out of time. <laughs> but- is there anything else you would like to ask me or uh share with your audience before I go?
0: Well, yes. Yes. Um I, once again, your website is caregiverdave.com right. and you've got lots of, you know, free goodies there for people that that come to the website and yeah. your radio show, how do people um tune into your radio show?
2: Well, we're on 25 uh Global Audio Video Platforms, you know, you, YouTube, blog talk radio like you, we've got iHeartRadio, Stitcher, uh, Vimeo, you you name it, we're on it. Uh, Just Google caregiver and Dave, those two words on uh, Google, and I'll be all over the place. There'll be, uh, of course, I'm on my membership website as well, but uh, we only put some teasers on there. The last two shows, I think it is, maybe three, uh, to entice you to join. Uh, it's very cheap to become a member of the Caregiver Dave community. I tried to think of, um, I have a gas station. I don't need the money. But I've learned from coaching that anyone who I coach for free, where they don't pay and they don't have skin in the game, they don't follow my advice. I've I've right. spoken to people who I've given great advice to, pearls of wisdom, and it was free. And I go back to them like a month later, hey, how's it going? Oh, it's worse. I said, well, did you do what I said? No. I said, why not? I said, I don't know. You know, the the mind just subconsciously does not put a value on things that does not cost us. You know, if you have a doctor appointment uh, early in the morning tomorrow, but you're up late tonight and then the alarm rings and you say, I'm not going, I can't get out of bed. But then you remember that doctor is going to charge you $100 whether you show up or not. All of a sudden, you're going to have a burst of energy. You're going to get out of your bed. You're going to appear there. But the same thing with this. I I says how much can a caregiver really afford and it's not going to set them back uh, ninety seven dollars is the amount I, I came up with that they would it's hard to get a caregiver to spend anything on themselves they'll always they'll spend tons of money on others but nothing on themselves so that ninety seven dollars isn't per week it isn't per month it isn't even per year it's ninety seven dollars for the rest of your life and you get access to this uh, huge community of ours of caregivers. Not only on Facebook, we have a Facebook public page, a Facebook private page. We have the website caregiverdave.com with tools, resources, blogs, articles, you name it. It's on there, and you get uh, a free hour of coaching from Caregiver Dave just by joining that. Um, It's, I mean, it it's a no-brainer. I I was going to say you'd be really stupid not to take advantage, but I don't want to call people stupid. (laughs) They're just (laughs) uneducated, perhaps. or so ignorance. They say, ignorance of the <laughs> law is no excuse. Well, Ignorance of this great deal is no excuse, because I'm telling you about it. Uh Ben, yeah. you would gladly, if you got sick, you'd gladly hand that $97 over the ER for your deductible, or you would gladly, if somebody needed money, you're always lending money to people you don't have or putting it on your credit card, $97. For a change, spend $97 on yourself, and I guarantee you, you will get uh a hundred times rewards uh, by what you spent, not necessarily in money, but hey, how much is a life worth? How much is an ER right. trip worth? You know, it's priceless. Yeah, it's like that Visa commercial, priceless.
0: Yeah, yeah, you got to keep things in perspective. Um, so, anyway, it has been a pleasure um, meeting you, you and and speaking with you, and Likewise. thank you so much for the difference that you have made in countless lives and keep up the good work
2: thank you and thank you for the opportunity god bless you and stay safe
0: you too sweetie bye-bye. so bye-bye for now and we will be back next week uh, i'm sorry in 2 weeks and, and um until then take care of yourself take care of your family and count your blessings focus on all the good things that we have Until next time, bye-bye. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com.